Hey, good morning, Connect. Pastor Chris here. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect, if you don't know me. Um, and I'm excited to speak to you this morning on a theme that is evangel it's, it's evangelistic in nature. Uh, it's, it's a message on lifeguarding. And uh, I preach my best messages when, you know, they're PD's notes. And so thank you, PD. But this message, it, it speaks to some of my life experience. Some of you know uh, I served as a rescue swimmer in the Navy and I got to do some ocean rescue where I lived there in Jacksonville. And so when um, I saw the opportunity to speak, you know, on souls with the analogy or a theme of, of lifeguarding, I just got so excited. And so I hope you're ready. Uh, if you're at home or wherever you are, grab a pen, uh, some paper. You know, you tend to retain what you're obtaining when you write things down. Uh, and there are going to be verses here on the screen. And so if you don't have your paper Bible or your electronic Bible, Make sure you grab it real quick. Let's highlight some things. Let's take notes together and let's get into this message, okay? And so um, if I could, I, I'd even introduce this message with that theme from uh, uh, How to Save a Life. It was, it's a song by the fray. <laughs> but um, so um, we have a couple of verses that we're going to read. And then um, we're going to talk about, uh, as lifeguards, what we should be focusing on. And, you know, conditions for rescue. And then what we do when, in the event that the person that you're trying to help, you know, is uncooperative. So that's what the message is going to go down like. But let's get into uh, a little intro that I want to talk to you about. Just so that I can set the stage on this theme of, of, of life-saving or being a lifeguard to the people around you. You know, I was reminded of, of a story a couple of weeks ago, me and my family we were on vacation um, in, in this beautiful place and with, you know, lifelong friends. Everybody was having a great time. We were by the pool. Uh, we had just gotten food. We were having food by the pool. The sun was perfect. And the, the boys, if you, if you know, I have Christian, he's four, and, and JJ, he's going to turn three this month. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the children, they were by the pool and the, the pool had a step into the water. And then after that step, it went into the deep end. Um, and then I saw that they were playing this game where they would jump into the into the, you know, the deep water. And, and then they would like kind of doggy paddle, you know, back onto the ledge in, in the pool. And as soon as I saw this, you know, I kept my eye on my little one, JJ, because he didn't really know how to swim. But if you know J.J., he's brave, but he, he doesn't know how to swim. And, and so I, I thought to myself, you know, as a parent, I'm like, I'm going to keep my eye on this. And so everybody's distracted and having a great time. And I would see him jump into the deep end and then like, you know, barely make it, grabbing uh, the, the, the ledge of the last step and then coming back. And he was, he, when he would do that, he would come back and, and he had this smile on his face and he was having so much fun because he was able to like, he thought he was a great swimmer, you know, because because of how he was doing that. Um, you know, a couple of minutes go by and inevitably what happened was he jumped out too far and he doesn't have, you know, any life rafts or a, a buoy or a life jacket, if you will. And I'm watching him and he's struggling because this time he reached for the ledge and he, he couldn't, there was no ledge and he couldn't move to get to the edge. And at this, at this point, you know, moment in time, if you have kids, you know the feeling that rises up in your heart. But he's struggling and he can't find the ledge and, and he's panicking in the water. And, and naturally, I, I stand up, but as I'm walking 
in his direction, I, I was reminded, you know, when I was thinking about this message, like, what if I wasn't watching? What if I wasn't paying attention? And he was so deep in, in, in trouble with, with the water that he, he couldn't, you know, he's, he's three years old. He didn't know how to wave his arms. He didn't know how to scream. And he was literally drowning three feet away while everybody was having a great time in silence. And obviously, you know, I went in and I, I just grabbed him out of the water and he was scared and we, we had a conversation uh, and, you know, it was a great teaching moment for, for me as a dad. But it, it got me thinking, you know, how many people in our circle of friends or in our sphere of influence, you know, they're drowning silently and we're not aware because we're not paying attention. Um, and sometimes it's because they can't or, be, or they won't because of a range of reasons. But I wanted to tell this story because it breaks into the theme of what it means to be a good lifeguard. What it means and what, what does the Bible actually challenge us to do in reference to introducing other people to the life-saving mechanism that is the gospel through Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bibles ready... Um, I first want to read in Isaiah chapter 43, verse, uh, verse 1 and, and, and parts of uh, verse 2. Uh, and it'll also be here on the screen, but it says, Do not be afraid, I will save you. So this is God saying, you know, He is here and His role is to save us. Uh, kind of like in that story, how as a father, my role was to, you know, if I see that happening, my role is to save, my role is to act, not to think and argue about, well, how did He come to the point where, you know, he's drowning. And, and sometimes we're debating why people are drowning versus just save, just help someone. Um, and so do not be afraid. I will save you. That should be in red. That should be highlighted. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through deep waters, look at the analogy. I will be with you. If I could add context, you will not drown, right? Um, your troubles will not overwhelm you. Amen to that. Um, this, a second verse that I want to read that, that gives Bible and structure to what we're going to talk about is found in the New Testament uh, in the book of Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. And it says like this, Jesus gave his life for our sins. Now look at the theme that's forming. In Isaiah, I will save you. And then in Galatians, it says uh, Jesus gave his life. And so it's, it's gave and it's also save. And so saving by giving. I want you to remember that theme as we go throughout. Um, just as God, our Father, planned in order to rescue us, underline that, from evil, from this evil, the world in which we live. And then in Ephesians, flip your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read from the, amp- from the amp- Amplified. It says, therefore, become imitators of God, like copy and follow him, um, have him be your example um, as well-beloved children, right? They imitate their father. And so there are themes here. I will save you. Jesus gave his life. Be imitators of God. And so it's basically modeling out that what God's role was and what Jesus did for us, we should exemplify as messengers of the message here in this realm, and as imitators of Christ, we should save as he saved. 
We should give as he gave. We should, you know, follow through in what Jesus has asked us to do. And so I want to talk about three things that lifeguards are always doing on the beach. What lifeguards should be doing when they're working on the beach. But before I get into the message, I think the big idea that I want you to take away as maybe a teaching moment or, or something that you'll, that you'll keep as we go throughout the message is this. Um, no one is rescued if they don't realize that they're drowning. And maybe another way of saying that is if you don't think you have a problem or if you don't think you need help, then it's very hard to help that person. You need to know that as someone that's going to attempt to try to add value or rescue or help them. And if you're someone that needs help, uh, ownership and having that responsibility for yourself is the beginning of your own rescue. Like you have to participate, come on somebody, in your own rescue. But regardless if you see your, your side on either side of the fence as we go through this message, I want you to know that there is a solution, there is a way out, and perfect theology in this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? And so bear with me. Let's go into this. But first, I want to read another verse in the book of Jeremiah. It's going to be up on the screen. Look at what it says. But my people would not listen to me. Have you ever felt like that, where you knew the answer, you knew the the way forward, you had the counsel, you had the advice, but people just, they, they, they wouldn't listen to you, right? And so, hey, Jeremiah had this problem. It's okay. <laughs> um, but my people would not listen to me. They kept doing whatever they wanted, following the stubborn desires of their evil hearts. They went backward instead of forward. And so what do you do when you offer help and people don't receive your help? And so let's go into the three principles that I see here as maybe operating standards for someone that's a rescue swimmer, a lifeguard, or working the beach to try to save people. And so I want you to think of a time when you were at the beach or maybe by the pool and you saw a sign that said, swim at your own risk, no lifeguard on duty. And it, it, it makes you pause, right? It makes you, it makes you think, you know, should I get in the water? Well, what if I get in trouble? Um, so with that thought in mind, Walk with me as we talk about what the lookout is or should be when a lifeguard is on duty. A lifeguard is always working the beach when they are on duty. Number one, they, they keep an eye on the water, right? They keep an eye on the water. I remember one time uh, when I finished rescue swimmer school in the Navy, um, I wanted to make some extra cash and so uh, I volunteered with the city of Jacksonville to, to do ocean rescue um, at like surfing spots at, on Atlantic and Neptune Beach and Hannah Beach there in Jacksonville. And we would sit on these huge red towers, you know, with flags and the whole setup, you can imagine. No, it wasn't Baywatch. <laughs> um, but there, are thing, there, there was a training. You don't just go to the chair and, and you sit there and you just kind of, you know, chill out and, and watch people swim. You're there, like there's a training for it. There is a mission, and, and one of the things that you're trained to do is you're always supposed to be scanning the ocean. And so you start, to, you start where the buoys are, and then you go left to right based on where the other chairs are, and you walk or you look your way down to the beach, and you're looking for people that are in sign of distress or that need help. And so 
the number one principle is you have your eye on the water. You're always looking into the ocean. You're not looking at your watch. You're not playing on your phone. You're not looking backwards to see what's happening on the beach. What kind of food are people eating? Is it going to rain? You have a mission. And so this mission requires you to focus on the ocean. And the ocean maybe here could be representative of the world. And so we should keep our eyes on the world, but not be so like the world that we can't be distinctive as Christians in the world. And so it's where our focus goes, but it's not where our lifestyle goes, but we keep our eye. We keep our eye on the water. And number two is we stay near. Now, whenever you see a lifeguard on the, on the beach, you know, you don't see them five miles out with, binocula- with binoculars. Typically, if they're doing it right, they're going to have their chairs very close to the water. And that's why they're, the, 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 at least you know, on this beach that, that we worked, we would sit in these towers so that as the tide came in, um, we could be even closer. You know, sometimes you'd move the chair back or forward, but you wanted to stay you know, between 10 to 15 feet where the water came in, where the tide was crashing. Why? Because if you're going to be helpful, you have to be near enough so that you can have a sense of what's going on. And so let me stop right here and just like apply some things. When your eye is on the water, well, what does that mean to us? As lifesavers of people, as people that are introducing the life-saving good news of the gospel, what is, what is the good news? What is the life-saving message? It's that if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for our sins, You won't perish. You will have everlasting life. That saves people. That gets people into heaven. It is the sufficient response for humanity. But listen to me. When we're looking into the ocean, when we're paying attention, I think the questions I would ask is, you know, who are we praying for? Like the the equivalent of a lifeguard scanning the waters could be the equivalence of people on our prayer list. Is there five, is there three people that you're praying for? that you're keeping tabs on, that you're close to, that you're following along, that you're accompanying them. And just as I was looking at JJ, uh, maybe there's going to be a moment where then you can introduce something that could be life-saving for their lives, which is Jesus Christ, the message that can transform lives. And so the question I would ask hypothetically may be, you know, who are we praying for? And if not, who could we be praying for? Who are we, who, who is, whose names are tender in our heart? And I want to stop the message right here. And so if you have people that you're praying for, and maybe it's just in your mind and it's hanging in there loosely, can you write that down? Actually, can you write those names in the chat right now? Just write those names in the chat. If you don't want to, you don't have to say who they are or, or your relation to them, but... What I've noticed is that when we put, you know, pen to paper, it increases our ability to focus. And our prayer team can help you as you pray for those people that you're looking to introduce to a better way of life, to eternity. No separation for God in the afterlife. Uh, And this is a, a practical thing that we can do that enables us to not only help you pray, but it brings focus to those names. Because sometimes we invite people into church or, you know, into getting to know God, but um, we do it without praying first. And I promise if you pray, the Holy Spirit will go before your invitation and make their hearts more acceptable. 
to hearing your experience with the God that has changed and transformed your life. Last thing about lifeguards. They are ready to help. They are ready to help. Because crisis, you know, given the world in which we live in, crisis is an eventuality. Even before I started recording this, I was hearing from a brother who was going through a, a, a tough time. So many people right now are, are hurting, are going through difficult times and seasons. And so you don't have to look far. You don't have to turn on the news. You can look to your own close sphere to see that people are going through some things. And all we need to do is be ready to help, be ready to help. And, and sometimes we think that because we don't know perfect theology or because we don't know all these verses memorized and we're not a preacher or a pastor that we're unqualified to help. Let me tell you, one time when I was uh, swimming at a lake, I was about maybe nine or 10 years old um, and I was going to the deep end because you know we all wanted to be cool. And there, there was a strong rip current you know, in, in that area um, and we were all, you know, playing like, you know, basically on our tippy toes because it was fun. Uh, but very quickly, um, playing in that area where we would lose our footing very quickly and there was a current, I found myself in trouble and I, I didn't know really how to swim. And all of a sudden I was, I was flailing, I was panicking and I was starting to swallow and breathe in water because when I went on my tippy toes, the water took me to the deeper end and I couldn't find my footing. And it was a friend of mine who grabbed my arm from a place that was shallow and he, he pulled me in and he didn't know how to swim either. <laughs> and so it was a frightening experience, but it comes to show you don't have to be so qualified to save someone's life. Maybe you just have to be there at the right time, at the right place with the right person. And maybe that's going to happen even this week. Now let's talk about um, some conditions. And so those are the three attributes of a lifeguard, you know, that is focused and effective. You know, he has his eye on the water. He's praying for people. He's watching people. Uh, he's nearby. Uh, he, you know, like never have lunch alone, you know. Um, when you do things, what, maybe the things that are of interest to you, you can invite people to do that with you and you can make your personal interest actually ministry um, and then that way you're close to people that need help. And number three is uh, be ready to help because crisis is an eventuality. And so we're ready to help, not judge or make them feel guilty. We're, we have a grace first, right, mentality here at Connect. And so we are ready to help. Um, now, here are some things that maybe I would call conditions for rescue. Because um, you, can, you can find peculiar things happening when you try to help someone. And so one of the conditions that you want to look for is hands up. Like whenever you uh, are, are going to um, enter the water or try to save someone, uh, they're usually waving, right? Or they're, they're trying to get your attention and they have their hands up. And it's a sign of surrender. It, it, it's communicating something. It's saying, help me. I want it, right? And so um, hands up means they want help. And so you want to look for, are they, do they desire help? Do they ask for your opinion? Are they seeking your advice? Have they expressed the, the, the want? And so hands up is, is usually what a lifeguard sees. He sees people waving or hands up. It's a sign. And so when we're looking to help someone and introduce the gospel and and get them to know God, do they want to? 
Because if they don't want to, it's a very different approach, okay? Number two is, you know, um, do they need it? Do they need help, right? Uh, maybe cl clearly, you know, they can't swim or clearly they're hurt or they're in distress and they're not going to make it. And so is it very clear that they need help, right? And so when you look at the circumstance, you have to analyze that and study. Do they want it, but also do they need it? And so these are some signs that give you an indicator you need to step in. Because if you're there, now you have the responsibility. And I'm going to go into, I'm going to unpack that a little further, but hold that thought on responsibility, okay? And the other one, and this is key, are they cooperative? And so do they need it? Do they want it? And are they cooperative? Because <laughs> you could have, you know, one or two, and maybe you don't have all of them, but it's very important that they welcome the help. And so do they want it? Do they need it? And are they welcoming the help is, is also key. Um, and let me tell you why you want to look at these things. Because if you're a witness to a situation, and doctors take this oath, and as people that are certified in CPR and nurse practitioners in the medical field, they, they receive a certain type of training that holds them accountable to saving lives. And so if you see someone that is in distress, because of your training, because of what you know, you have a responsibility to help. And so I, I wanna say just, I wanna stop right here and say, you know, because we know, because we know how good God is, because we know what he's done in our lives, because of that gratitude, the overflow of, of our gratefulness, it should prompt us to act when we see conditions for a rescue. And if you see it and you walk away, you are responsible because you know and you can and you have received, you must give. It is your responsibility. And so I want you to uh, feel the charge. I want you to feel the charge and the challenge that because you know, you must share. Amen. Um, but what if they're un uncooperative? Have you ever tried to help someone and they don't want it? I said I was going to talk about this. So let's go into it for a little bit. Sometimes it can be funny, but you need to have the right approach and the right mindset. Okay. So a good lifeguard he knows to lead with the buoy. Write that down. Lead with the buoy. Lead with the life raft. Lead with the flotation device. This is so key. Because it saves them and it protects you. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You lead with the buoy because it saves them and it protects you. I remember when I was going through rescue swimmer school in the Navy, it's, they say, uh, you know, it's the third hardest military training in the Navy. We started in my class with 27, only graduated with 13, and it's like a drop on request policy. And it was very challenging. And to be honest, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I don't know if I would have graduated or passed that training. But one of the first lessons that they taught us, and this was so contradictory because we're running, we're swimming, we're eating well, and we're you know, pushing our biology and our physical endurance to the limit so that you know, our preparedness could, could allow us to perform well on a mission, on a rescue. And we spend all of this time preparing and doing pool sprints and pool conditioning and underwater combat and getting tangled up in a parachute in the deep end and, and getting desensitized in chaotic experiences so we would just know what to do in a situation. But when it comes time to jump out of the fast boat or the helicopter, the first lesson that they teach you is you never leave the boat. You never leave the helicopter without the life buoy. 
And the first thing you do is you first, you launch the life buoy first before you get in the water. And I thought, you know, that was so contradictory because they're saying how important it is for us to be able to hold our breaths for a period of time or swim underwater for such a long period of time and be able to perform. But then when we're actually on a mission, it's all about the life buoy. And so I had a heart, I thought, that, I thought it was conflicting. And I pulled my trainer aside. He was an ex-force recon marine instructor. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter how strong you think we are. We are no match for someone in desperation in the middle of a storm. And I thought that, that I never forgot that, right? Like it doesn't matter how strong of a swimmer you are. You are no match for the currents. You are no match for 20 foot swells. And you are no match for someone in desperation. In fact, when someone is desperate and you try to rescue them in the water, they're willing to drown you so that they would be able to breathe. And so if they hold on to you, the first thing that they teach us is you, you bring them underwater. And so you swim downwards. And eventually, if you go down far, far enough, they'll let go of you. And so it, it's interesting that we're here to save, but everything that we're directing them to do has nothing to do with us. And the one thing that we give out first is a bright buoy for them to see. And it was interesting. It has a lot to do with this message because sometimes we get, you know, Messiah complex syndrome. And we think because we're in this situation with that person or because you're trying to help them with that addiction or because you're in there trying to figure out their financial mess or because you're in the ER uh, hospital next to the bed praying for a miracle, we 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 bear the responsibility and we allow the charge to turn into a responsibility and we think that we're supposed to save them. My friend, let me release you from that right now in the name of Jesus. We are called to introduce people to Jesus Christ, not to be their savior. And so the, when we lead with the buoys, we lead with Jesus Christ so that they know that for them to survive, for them not to drown, they are not hanging on to us. They're hanging on to Jesus. Because it doesn't matter how big the storm is. It doesn't matter how strong the winds are. If they're holding on to a life buoy, it has such a strong capacity to stay afloat that it doesn't matter how strong the current is. If you hold on to that buoy, you won't drown. And the same thing is true for when you teach people to hold on to Jesus Christ versus our character, integrity, or example. We are imitators of Christ. We are life savers, but He is the life preserver. And so you lead with the buoy so that they grab on to Jesus Christ, the life-changing message of the gospel. And so we act as the messenger, but our lives, now we are not the message. Jesus Christ is the message. So for you, that maybe you've done this, and so it makes you reluctant to help somebody else because of how much it costs you. Can I invite you to help someone again? Can I in invite you to evangelize again? But instead, this time, instead of acting like the buoy, could you act like someone who introduces them to Jesus Christ? Amen? Signs and conditions for rescue. Now, when they're uncooperative, you lead with the buoy. And we just talked about that because in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart. That's where life starts. It saves them and it protects you. It protects your heart. The Bible is saying you need to protect your heart. When you protect yourself in these situations where you're helping people, 
protecting your heart is key so that as you attempt to heal someone's emotional home, you don't become unstable emotionally. Um, the Bible says in Galatians 6, chapter 1, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is, is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, keywords mean gently and humbly, help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Lead with the buoy so that it saves them and it protects you. Amen. Another uh, thing that I think lifeguards know is apart from leading with the buoy, it's have what would be sunscreen. But maybe if you, if you were to spell sun, S-O-N, S-O-N, have sunscreen. Um, basically, it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in, in, and in him, there was no darkness at all. Now, the reason why we say, you know, sunscreen is because it's an analogy and a play on words to, to reflect, you know, the need for us to have sunscreens. Uh, I remember my first duty as a lifeguard, I got completely burnt. I was baked. Um, because I didn't know, I didn't think, you know, I was going to be out there for eight hours and I, for, I forgot to put on sunscreen. Lo and behold, I learned my lesson. Um, but when I speak of sunscreen, I'm speaking to how the, that protection, it, it minimizes the amount of light that the sun emits in terms of UV rays and it prevents that skin, that contact from being burned. Uh, because too much light, too fast, they, they get burned or they won't develop if you bring it to the analogy of how we develop pictures and film. And so one of the things that a good lifeguard knows is to use sunscreen, meaning you use a layer, a filter in your talk track, in your messaging and how you introduce them so that they can learn at the right pace so that they develop in the kingdom of God. If you show someone too much too soon, it may be overwhelming. And so I thought it'd be a great analogy to just talk about how sunscreen or, you know, sun, the, Jesus, the son of God, is a great way for you to think about how you're introducing people into our faith, into Christianity. You know, maybe it's not the best strategy as you talk to people about your faith by leading with how, you know, the, the, the parts that are the supernatural aspects of our ministry. Maybe you allow them first to understand who Jesus is and you introduce them at a pace where they can comprehend and understand. Um, another thing that I thought was key is you carry a whistle, and this is where I begin to wrap up the message. Um, the Bible says um, in John 15, 13, that you know, no greater love hath he than this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. Um, a good lifeguard knows to carry a whistle. And I remember in our training in Ocean Rescue, um, sometimes a whistle, you know, near the ocean, the noise of the waters and the wind would be so high that a whistle wouldn't be enough uh, for someone to hear you or, or for you to communicate to the other tower. And so when you saw someone in distress, what you would do is, you would blow the whistle, but then you would also take the flag and you would start turning the flag in a circle 
so that the other tower could see and then they would turn their, fl their flag also and it would be this domino effect all the way to the base so that, so that you could get reinforcements before you went into the water. And so you would wave your flag long enough for the other tower to see it. And as soon as they saw it, you would go into rescue with a life buoy. And I think, you know, this carrying the whistle is, is such a key part of how we should think about helping people. And I guess what I want to say is even as leaders and pastors or heads of families and leaders of businesses or whatever influence that God has given you, it's okay to ask for help. I think sometimes we've seen the need for help as a sign of weakness, but it's actually wisdom because you can invite other people that can back you up on your mission to help somebody else. And so just know that you don't have to have all the answers and you don't need to be the know-it-all. In fact, true wisdom, the Bible says, is found in the midst of counsel. And so maybe it's time for you to use your whistle or signal to others that this thing that you're going through or that you're trying to help someone go through, you don't have to go through that alone. You don't have to do life alone. You don't have to go through that alone. You don't have to go helping that person through that alone because together we're better. Amen? And so use the whistle. Uh, I remember I did six real missions in, in the Navy and in this one rescue, I remember the person that we helped, uh, it was a diver who got lost um, out to sea and when they came back up, their boat wasn't visible and the summary of the story I'll get to it is when he came up because of the storm, um, he couldn't see anything because it was a pitch black night because uh, he was lost, you know, for such a long period of time. And the, the thing, the sound that brought hope to his ears was when he could hear the sound of the helicopter arri arriving. And so how sweet it is to the ears of those that receive the good news because it's, it's the sound of hope. It's the sound of, we're looking for you. It's the sound of, we have arrived. It's the sound of, I'm here to help. And so, as I begin to wrap this message, I hope that even this week, even this week, your voice can be a word of encouragement, that you would speak life over people that need to hear encouragement, that need to hear a word from heaven, that, that should hear something from you that would encourage them to be curious about the God that you serve. Um, I know that you can't save everyone, but we can save someone. And so I want you to think about who that could be. You know, we could be a lifeline so that we don't have to see their life on the line. And in closing, as I tie this to the beginning of the message, how God came to save and Jesus gave, when you look at the story of the apostles, you know, they all gave up their lives. Jesus was sacrificed, and all the, the other ten uh, were martyrs, with the exception of John. And so it, it speaks to the ultimate sacrifice that they were willing to, to pay so that others could be introduced to the sufficient response to salvation, which is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And sometimes because it happened so long ago and because we live in a developed country that, you know, doesn't require us to struggle over basic medicine, food, and shelter, we think that maybe, you know, we're beyond that. But 
maybe, maybe we're not. You know, if I was to give you the example of how there was a cure to COVID or to any strain or any strain that could come after. You know, if, if, if someone knew that I had knowledge of or knew that I, was, I discovered, I found, you know, the, the cure to the flu, to COVID-19 and any strain that could be mutated in the future. And I just consumed it myself. Now, what do you think the world would say if, if I had this cure and I, and I only shared it with a couple of people that I really care about and maybe I didn't even share it with anybody and I just kept it to myself? But, you know, I, I, I took this cure and I was selfish with it. I consumed it and now I'm good and now I feel better. And it, it's a solution for my life, but I didn't share it with anybody. I wonder what the World Health Organization would say once they discovered if they found out. Or what would the CDC say? What would the authorities say? What would the other people in your life that then discovered that yeah, you had the cure? You didn't say anything? Like, what would be the repulse? What would be their response? Like, what would they say to you? What kind of text messages would you get if you discovered the cure? and you didn't say anything. And so I say this humbly and with a warm heart. The truth is we have the cure. The truth is Jesus Christ, the authority in his name, has the power to break the back of any disease. And at times we have become selfish Christians and we haven't shared the message that can cure not only disease, but the human soul through salvation and eternity. And so I just want to pray for you in this moment, not to make you feel guilty, but to encourage you that maybe this week, maybe this season, maybe right now is the right time to pray for and to reach the people that need the ultimate cure, which is eternity with God forever. Amen. I just want to pray for you in this moment. Father, I pray that they would have courage and audacity to reach those in their spheres of influence that need this message the most. In Jesus' name, I pray for your courage, for your boldness, and for you to act in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, and if you need help being equipped and how to do so, talk to us in the chat. We'd love to have a conversation with you and to equip you to introduce people into our faith. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to be present at the right time, the right place with the right person. Amen. And maybe if you're, I want to speak to another audience that could be listening right now. Maybe you're, you're listening to this message about you know, life-saving and, and lifeguards and you're thinking, well, maybe I need saving or I don't know if I need, I need saving. Could I invite you to make a decision? Can I give you an opportunity to make a decision that a long time ago when I was 13 years old, I made this decision and it was the best decision that I could ever make in my whole entire life. In fact, this decision didn't just save me in terms of everlasting life. Even here on earth, the decision to follow Jesus has physically saved my life probably five times that I can recall, literally saved my life. I'm, I, I want you to know God wants to save you. 
here and there. And if you would be willing, if you would be open, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You see, the Bible says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And that if we would believe in him and his message, that we would receive and that we wouldn't perish. And so the secret is in belief. And so I wonder if you're at a place in your life where you're willing, you need, and you welcome Jesus into your life. If that's you, I would love if you would text CC saved to 97,000. It'll also be on the screen. We want to help you make that decision. And if, as I spoke to you, there was a response in your heart and there's conviction and there's a desire, you know what? I want to know more about this. I, I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. All you have to do is say a prayer and I want to invite you to say that prayer with me. Right where you are, just close your eyes and put your hand on your heart if you can and repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe in you and I confess that I need help. In Jesus' name, I pray. And you can say amen. And you can say amen in the chat. Hey, if you made that decision, I'm telling you that is the best decision you can make in your whole entire life, but we want to talk to you so that you can understand more about how powerful that decision is and the things that you could understand and uncover going forward. Thank you so much for tuning in today. God bless you. Be a lifesaver. I'll see you next Sunday.